0: I'm back again with uh, one of my HITS partners, Ted Douse. Ted's the attorney on our, our group of four and uh, is obviously a uh, uh, listens to the podcast. has been to HITS, has met Ted. He's an expert in search and seizure, uh, well-versed in, in all things related to, to dog uh, using dogs and uh, the way we use them. So, uh, Ted, how are you doing today? Good. Yourself? I'm doing good. And we got you on today because you just sent me a couple of days ago a brand new case. And uh, I like to... Uh, when when you give me a new case, i like to try and get you on here right away so that we can uh, push it out to everybody. And uh, what I thought was interesting about this case, I won't belabor the point, but um, we were up in Kalispell, what, two, three weeks ago. And when I was watching your class, uh, I, I believe this question was asked in this case. And I, I think it's often asked about about passengers and stuff in cars. So I'll uh, give you the microphone. And if you could just kind of explain the the case and, and what's going on with it, I, I think uh, it'd be real good for all of our listeners to hear
1: sure will um for everybody that's listening this case is a state of florida case out of the 4th district court of appeal which is a jurisdiction that actually covers uh fort lauderdale palm beach like uh, all the way up to martin and through indian river counties um so it's kind of like moderately south florida and what the current thing that jeff was t- t- talking or touching on is that a lot of times when we do our classes around the country we talk about using passive single purpose dogs on people that are either in public or that are lawfully detained, and you know there aren't too many cases that directly address it um although down here in Fort Lauderdale we have passive single purpose dogs that actually uh, you know work the airport, and we do put them on people that are either in public or lawfully detained and A lot of times you get that uh, RCA Victor dog look, um, like you know, from the people at the class that seem to say like, uh, "Well, that would never go here," you know, "We never would do that here." Our our prosecutors would never go for it, or my sheriff would never go for it. And I get that, and I always tell them that you know, there's no law against it, and there's not not too many cases that talk about it because it's just not really done. Traditionally, let's just say by a sheriff or a municipality dog throughout the country. Uh, and ironically, um, like you said, we this came up in when we were doing our hands-on training classes out of uh, Kalispell, Montana, a couple three weeks ago. And uh, you get back, and on November the 12th of 2020, the fourth District just came out with a brand new case. That's why you listen to Jeff's podcast because we try to keep you up to date on a case called Tedford versus state out of Florida, which is T E D F O R D. Um, It was a November the 12th, 2020 case. And it is a case surrounding a traffic stop and the use of a dog that was actually trained to alert on multiple substances. And as this is going to touch on a multiple different areas. uh, Some of it is the ruling. Some of it's just kind of there that you can You can, I guess, you know, see or read if you look up the case. Um, The dog was a multiple odor dog. So as a lot of us have found out about whether you have a legal marijuana jurisdiction or a medical marijuana jurisdiction or both, that this dog was actually trained on marijuana, cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, and ecstasy. Um, So this was a marijuana odor dog. And for everybody's edification, we are a, medical marijuana state here in Florida, but we are not a legal marijuana state here in Florida. So there is a way to have marijuana in your possession. If you meet all the criteria uh, to be a medical marijuana patient Um, and the court wasn't troubled that this was a marijuana odor dog potentially, and maybe the guy may have had medical marijuana uh, on his car in his person. And, um, So what had happened is there was a traffic stop. There was a couple occupants and the the dog's arrival and the dog, while the traffic ticket was still being authored, the dog arrived in a reasonable amount of time and was utilized and got an alert to the exterior of the vehicle. And there was no drugs found in the vehicle. And being that the people were lawfully detained at the traffic stop, The single purpose passive dog, I'll stress that, you don't want to be ever putting dual purpose dogs on people. But the handler went over and put his single purpose passive dog, who was standing roughly, oh, 12 to 15 feet away with the backup officer, uh, and let the dogs conduct a sniff of the people. And the dog alerted to the pocket of Mr. Tudford. And one of the things we're going to talk about here quickly one of the things the court focused on was the dog alerted to the pocket and the dog actually with his nose actually touched the pocket with his nose in a one quick nudge type of scenario. And then they um patted the individual down um, and they ended up finding uh dope in his shoe and subsequently was placed in the back of a police car and the police car was checked before he was put into the back of the police car. Of course, when they arrive at the Sallyport, Port and there was some more marijuana found in the back of the car that they had not found when they performed. And what I'm going to tell you, and everybody should hold on to, is a Terry-style pat-down. Um, you know, this is not a strip search or an intrusive search, but it was more of a pat-down where they discovered some uh, marijuana in a shoe and then later on marijuana inside the back of the police car that was used to transport and the court basically looked at it as, uh, I know a lot of people are out there, they're in reasonable suspicion states, or if you're in a traditional dog state, Florida's a very traditional dog state, Idaho's a very traditional dog state, uh, most states are, when I use traditional dog state, that means that if there's a traffic stop, that the dog can be utilized for no particular reason, uh, other than you got to utilize the dog before the end of the traffic stop, and that time must be you know reasonable the time of deployment when you hold the individual. So if you're in a, just a very traditional dog state, a couple good things going on here. Um, The court didn't have any real problem with the uh, utilization of the dog while the ticket was still being written. The court didn't have a problem that it was a marijuana dog. Court didn't have a problem that it was a marijuana dog utilized in a medical marijuana state. Uh, All those, those weren't directly argued and addressed. The court did not address them in any way, shape or form. And then the court basically said, "Well, we're going to view this like the dog alerting to the vehicle, and the vehicle not um, containing any uh, tangible drugs that were found. So maybe you know, just like an odor alert to the vehicle, and probably an odor alert to the vehicle because, as we know, in the outcome, the gentleman had marijuana on his person, hidden fairly well in some place, and in his shoe, and." Um, the dog may have picked up on that particular odor because now the drugs are outside the vehicle because they're on the person, the person that's actually standing outside the vehicle and the dog alerts to the vehicle. They don't find anything. But the court in its analysis of saying, could you put that passive single purpose dog around the individuals that were properly detained was yes, because they looked at the dog alert to the vehicle as a type of reasonable suspicion. So they viewed it in the sense of it was probable cause to search the car, but now it gave you reasonable suspicion since you searched the car and you didn't find anything, that it was reasonable to conclude that it might possibly be on one of the individuals that was detained you know, five or ten feet away on the sidewalk. And so the court went over and said because the alert to the car would give you reasonable suspicion as to the occupants who are now outside the vehicle, you could perform the sniff of the dog was analogous to what you would all know in the podcast land is a Terry stop to where you could do a a basic pat down to see if there were any narcotics on the individuals because the dog had alerted to narcotics on the individuals.
0: So it's the dog did hit on the car on the original pass.
1: Yes. Yeah. The car, the, the initial thing was when the dog handler arrived, The dog handler had the um, driver and passenger exit the vehicle and then he ran the vehicle and uh, got an alert to the exterior they searched the interior find nothing and then uh went over and the people are lawfully detained uh related to the traffic stop and and then of course probable cause to search the vehicle that there might be drugs in the vehicle based on the dog alert and then the court said well if you don't find anything in the vehicle um, you could put the dog on the people because the alert to the vehicle, you kind of shift gears. The alert to the vehicle's probable cause, but the alert to the vehicle of the recent occupants is reasonable suspicion um, enough to put the dog on them. Single-purpose passive dog to sniff around them to see if you if the dog would get an alert to their person. And the court for everybody that's listened to this, it's a good case for the dog handlers, and it's a good read. It's interesting because it covers, you know, United States versus place, which is luggage. It covers Florida versus Harris, which is dog reliability. It covers Florida versus Jardines, which is dog sniffing houses. And it covers Rodriguez versus United States, uh, which is like the, in the interruption of the traffic stop type of thing, which are all Supreme Court cases. And it goes through the history of how the Supreme Court has handled um, dog cases. And then they use that type of law to uh, do an analogy to um, what had happened here particularly. And I should tell everybody that's listening um, two things. One, in Florida, we're lucky because our Florida Constitution mandates that we follow the United States Constitution related to search and seizure issues. So anybody's out there that's going to take a case federally that this case of even though it's a Florida case, the Florida law will mirror federal law. So the judge here in Florida had to look at this in a combination of what does federal law allow, because that's why they looked at a lot of these Supreme Court cases, and, of course, what does Florida law allow and how it has evolved into this scenario. There are a few case states out there, and you guys know who you are, um, and, you know, um, you know, Michigan, excuse me, Minnesota is a little more restrictive, uh, Massachusetts is restrictive, uh, Montana is a search warrant state. Uh, to search the vehicle on a dog sniff. In Wash, state of Washington, they get a search warrant on a sniff of a vehicle to search the vehicle. So there are a few of you out there that uh, operate in areas that um, aren't, let's say, traditional mainstream dog cases where you've either got to have a higher standard of reasonable suspicion, or if you run your dog based upon some type of Totality of the circumstances, whether it's articulable suspicion, or reasonable suspicion, or particularized suspicion—those are a lot of the buzzwords you hear around the states. Um, then you um, you can run your dog, but then you get a search warrant. So um, you know, here's a scenario um, where the actual sniff of the person allowed reason, or the sniff of the car allowed reasonable suspicion to put the dog on the people to sniff them.
0: Now, here's, here's a question I have off the top of my head. I don't know if you know this team or not, but is that something that they do in training? Is that something that's – they have training you records know, to I, show I don't, they, they do that? I can
1: tell you around the country generally do they do not. Down here in Broward, um, our single-purpose passive dogs do because we do a lot of um, either bus, you know, Greyhound bus terminal type of scenarios or – um, luggage coming off of uh, of airlines where you just go down to the non-security side where your luggage just comes off and as you're waiting around for your luggage to come off your Delta or Southwest or whoever flight um, the dogs will run the people and uh, we do, so we do, uh, I'm sure they get exposure to that down here but I would say in most areas of the country uh, people say hey Ted, we, yeah. we just don't do that here
0: I was just curious if you knew specifically if that team did that. I was just didn't on a side note. So basically um, this is a win for us. um, And I think you probably have some words of caution. Anytime we get a a win, whether it's big or small, I think you always have some words of caution about that.
1: Yeah, I do. Um, First of all, I want to point out something because I, I go to dog training every once in a while and we do dog training, you know, on a two or three day basis. If you have us come out, like we were in Montana. Um, and I see a lot of times, so if you're out there and a lot of times it's an inanimate object, like say you maybe do your dog in a search warrant and the dog's alerting to uh, you know, a dresser drawer or something like that. And then the dog alerts and you recognize that change of behavior, you get to sit. And a lot of times handlers do the, you know, show me. And then the dog kind of pokes the drawer and you, hey, show me boy. And the dog then point, pokes the, um, the the drawer again. Um Court made a big deal out of that. this particular case, the dog kind of just slightly nudged the pocket and only did it once. So I would say if you're going to start utilizing this um, on, let's say, passengers uh, and drivers of vehicles that have been ordered out of a car and your dog has alerted to the car and you want to put the dog on the people, a single purpose dog, again, not a dual purpose dog. Um try not to encourage the play, the game of show me boy, show me boy, where you get, you know, multiple nudges, or you encourage the dog to to nudge, um, because the court kind of was concerned that um, they had, they said basically, okay, a slight touch with the nose at one time in this particular case, you know, wasn't an intrusion and didn't really bother us, but they seemed to think that you know, I don't know if I, I know where you go. If the dog hits it three times with its nose, maybe they think that's overtly intrusive or something. So I would urge, first of all, if you're when you read the case, if your dog is, alerts to a person and you it's lawfully detained or in public and your dog, let's just say it's within a couple of inches and you have that change of behavior and the dog sits, then don't encourage your dog to go up and, you know, head bump the person's pocket or, or whatever it is or pot their shoe or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I would say, is least physical contact, the better. And if it is a contact, make sure it's slight, and it only happens once. And then you, you know, you call your dog or reward your dog, and you you don't have them do it multiple times or have multiple contacts with the person. Um, so that would be my first thing. If you, you, you can call the alert, where the dog is two or three inches away, maybe it's a good sit and a good stare, dog, and the dog kind of you know points with its nose, and you know, I can imagine like a you know, a Labrador out there pointing towards a duck or something like that. And one of those poses where your dog sits and freezes, hey, that's good. And uh, take that as the alert, reward your dog, and terry pat down that person's pocket. Second was the location of the alert. Here it just happened to be in the pocket, and then one of the things they had the person do was um, remove their shoe, and they found some um, marijuana in the shoe. And, of course, you know, later on somewhere in his body, um, the dog was probably alerting to an odor that was more intrusively hidden because the gentleman had somehow pulled out more marijuana in the backseat of the, the transportation police car. So, but the court seemed troubled over issues of like, well, you know, how far are you going to go into privacy in the sense of, are you going to be searching groins? You know, does the dog touch a person's groin? Does, uh, and if the dog did and it was slight, um, you know, you don't want to, and I'll read what the court said here, uh, repeated touching by a dog. The court leaves for another day, a determination of scenarios such as possible fourth amendment violations of repeated touching of a person by the dog's nose. Um, particularly in, in different areas of the body, a drug dogs alert to a person's crotch, um, or the sequence of events in a different chain of events. So like, I guess maybe, you know, you don't want to get the people out of the car and sniff them first. Uh, That seems to be probably a no, no you want to sniff them after and only after your dog has alerted to the vehicle. Um, And whether you find something or you don't find something, I think the court would be okay. Even if you found drugs that you went over and sniffed them. Um, So bottom line is, so I would probably say uh, because this was a pocket, so pockets of in front and back pockets of like jeans, maybe a pocket of a jacket, uh maybe something around the ankle or the shoe would be okay but as far as i mean i would encourage you not to go too far as far as um um the crotch or maybe a women's bra or uh something along the lines of they they talked about uh, pulling the elastic maybe you had some kind of gym pants on or something and pulling the elastic and looking down into someone's pants or something they might be troubled by that activity so i would kind of say stick to uh Pockets and jackets, pockets and pants, and maybe things like uh, in the ankles or the feet tend to be okay. And the other things you may be pushing the envelope if you go into some certain other private areas. So I would encourage you to use the case, but use the case wisely because, you know, as police officers, I love you all. But sometimes you, you gain an inch in the case law, and this is an inch in, the, in a very good direction. But then now you don't want to be strip searching people. You don't want to have people you know, dropping their pants on the side of the road or like pulling up their shirt over their head or something along that lines. Um, you don't want to go that far. Stick to a, a, a standard carry pat down of reasonable areas of, you know, pockets and and the legs and the ankles and the shoes and stuff like that. I mean, you're probably good.
0: Yeah, um, we have a way of we have a way of screwing case. things up sometimes as cops.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. Don't you know, don't have the guy drop his pants on the side of the road. That would probably be a no, no and too intrusive.
0: Now, there was some language in that case too about um, it was synthetic marijuana, and it seemed like they weren't all that troubled about that either.
1: Yeah, they, they said that the dog was not trained on synthetic marijuana, they just noted that because they said that the uh, other alerts um, were, you know, to the obvious tangible drugs let's call it that, and um, they weren't troubled by whatever synthetic. Marijuana. Um, He said his dog wasn't trained on it, so his dog wouldn't alert to it. And also, you bring up a good point, because right after that, the old adage, and, you know, Jeff, you're you're an old dog like me, 25, 30 years in law enforcement, Uh, been a dog handler for a long time, so a lot of the younger guys may not, you know, too much fall into this game, know, probably on their second or their third dog would know the old terrible Ted term of false alerts. (laughs) Yes. And I've wanted to get rid of false alerts my career. And I think Harris, Florida versus Harris actually did that. And the court, I'll read from the court, it says that the handler actually testified that Samba, that's the dog, Samba has never given a false positive alert, but can give a non-productive alert, which was described as an alert to a substance that had been in in there in the past, uh, but was no longer present. So bottom line is they acknowledge that You know, your dog could be an odor dog, and just the fact that your dog alerted to, the, say, the odor of the vehicle, uh, odor of narcotics in the vehicle, but you didn't find anything, you know, clearly doesn't make it false, clearly doesn't make your dog wrong, and uh, clearly that the substance could have been there recently or been just recently totally removed. Um, Here, it would have been there recently because it was actually on the person of the driver who had been now outside the vehicle for, you know, three or four or five minutes. And um, the court wasn't troubled by the testimony that his dog had never false alerted, but then he had given what they called, they determined an alert with no narcotics tangibly found as a non-productive alert, which is basically kind of like an odor only alert. And the court had no problem with that. And, and they should not have had a problem with it because Florida versus Harris also says that that's the right way to view it, that a dog's not wrong because it's an odor dog and um just because you don't find any tangible
0: dope. And it seems like uh over time, you know, since Harris, we don't really see that it used to be uh, we would get attacked, you know, and they'd have these mathematical oh. equations on the dogs and all that and it seems like Oh yeah, that there finally was a put statistical that analysis yeah.
1: of so if you go back if you were a handler you know, 10 years yeah. ago, you're probably pulling your hair out over alerts with no fines, alerts with fines, and alerts with what we used to call independent verification and a lot of that was you know, maybe you found a a pipe or a roach or a clip or some foil that had been burnt or maybe, or you get an admission, like, yeah, I just uh, smoked a joint 20 minutes ago or something like that. And you would write that down as a, an alert with some type of independent verification, but no drugs found. And uh, then you, of course you had to get into a calculator and determine statistics and Harris got rid of all that. So that's why I, I preach to this day that, um, you know, don't get into, buy into false alerts, your dog's an odor dog. And that's why as uh, Andy, when he lectures, he tells people that the, um, you know, you got to keep good training records. You got to keep good, you know, initial training records, your weekly training records and your annual certifications and how those certifications are run and how well your dog did, because the court's going to look to training in the controlled environment to determine uh, reliability of the dog. And they're no longer looking at your real-world search slash deployment logs to determine
0: reliability. So I want to touch on one more thing. So I think we've got that case pretty well handled. And I'll put, uh, as always, I'll put Ted's contact information in the show notes. So if you have more questions about this case, it's easy to reach out to Ted, and he can send you the copy of the case or talk to you about it, or you can run your yeah. And real quick,
1: uh, it's Tedford T E D F O R D V State. It is a fourth district court of appeal that came out November the 12th of 2020. It's a really good read. Um, it's about 10 pages long. And if you're really into it to give in your prosecutors or you want it because it it doesn't currently have a legal citation because it's, you know, roughly whatever, seven days old, um, you can go into uh, your lawyers, your prosecutors or your legal advisors should be able to get into Westlaw. So if you look it up in 2020, and then capital W, capital L, and then this number six six zero four eight one six. So six six zero four eight one six. So twenty twenty capital W, capital L, six six zero four eight one six. Your lawyer, in your prosecutor's office, attorney general's office, or your legal advisor should be able to find it on computer through that Westlaw citation.
0: Great. And like any case, I mean that it doesn't necessarily mean. Here in Colorado, they'll follow it, but it'll be a guiding case if if that issue comes up in your area. So it's good to know.
1: Well, sure, because it it does cover a plethora of issues. You know, uh, marijuana issues, <laughs> hemp issues. And court's not troubled. We're a hemp state, so court wasn't troubled that this was a marijuana odor dog, and uh, hemp could have been a possibility, or medical marijuana could have been a possibility, um, or synthetic marijuana could have been a possibility. Uh, the court wasn't troubled by any of those issues. It just, and it wasn't troubled that the dog was like a five-odor dog. So now those weren't directly attacked in the case, but the court, you know, thought if they thought somehow that the use of the dog was a probable cause, they certainly could have addressed sure. it, and they chose to ignore it.
0: Sure. So I want to touch base on one other uh, thing. Now after these elections, I know quite a few uh, people are are following my crazy states idea that uh, marijuana should be uh, legal recreationally and so I've so I get a lot of calls on that and we've we've addressed it here through you know we've got some, some case law that we've got kind of talked about even on this podcast but if your state if you're in one of these states and I don't even know how many uh, now either did medical marijuana which I think is the majority of states now and then quite a few more I think uh, just recently uh, adopted in recreational marijuana so I've gotten a couple calls uh I just want to touch base on that with you Ted that if you're in one of those states, brand new from last month or this month, I should say, that you're gonna whatever the time frame is when the law changes and your state's now gonna have recreational marijuana, and you're working a, a, a drug dog that has marijuana as an odor, what is your advice for those handlers in that situation right now?
1: Yeah, right now I say stay status quo. Um, the majority of states that have either legalized marijuana. Have medical marijuana, or have decriminalized it, made a, a civil citation like in Maryland has, has decriminalized it, but Maryland still finds a marijuana odor dog to give you probable cause. A whole host of the new states um, are are have not the brand new states that just passed it in November, but let's say you passed it two years ago as um, recreational marijuana is legal, and although most of those states still find that your dog. Has marijuana odor dog is still probable cause because most of the states are putting parameters around it. And they're saying like, okay, you can have uh, recreational marijuana up to six grams. And if it's over six grams, you know, you're in violation of the law and you're arrestable. Of course, a lot of them are legalizing it because they want to tax it. So you had to get it from a valid licensed dispensary in your state. So if you got it from your you know, you got four grams, but you got it from your neighbor's basement hydroponic lab. Um, that's strictly illegal. Uh, no matter if you're in a recreational marijuana state, because the state has put parameters on it, you've got to have it uh, purchased from a lawful dispensary because the state wants to tax it. You probably, most of them say, most say they want you to have it in that packaging that's labeled for distribution from a, a medical marijuana licensed dispensary. Uh, And, of course, the grammage is always most of them put um, weights on is how much that you can have. You know, I know of no legal marijuana state that says you can drive around with a pound of marijuana. So what they're doing is saying is that um, your dog alerts to the marijuana um, or or one of the other four odors that your dog may be uh, 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 imprinted on. And then you investigate. And if the person is in legal possession, say they have two grams. And they have a receipt from a valid dispensary and it's in a little dispensary bag with a label and things on it. Um, then they would be just given a speeding ticket and they drive away. But if you investigate it further, they have 30 grams of marijuana and it's just in a Ziploc baggie and it looks like we've all, the marijuana we all grew up knowing and seeing, you know, just green leafy substance that was probably homegrown. Well, that person is not in legal possession and can be arrested. So, it's still in most states, the marijuana odor dog still allows you to investigate legal versus illegal possession. So, um, you know, and most states like that, I mean, like I said, in Maryland, they've decriminalized it, but it's still probable cause. So, but then again, there are a few, I always point out one through the flip side, there is the state of Massachusetts that um, has, I forget whether it's legal or medical and they have found that an odor marijuana imprinted uh, dog is not probable cause in the state of massachusetts but that style of legal philosophy is in the vast minority and the vast majority of states um haven't even tackled medical or or recreational legal marijuana yet so um keep using your dog if you're like in the state of nebraska it's illegal to have marijuana and it's not medical so that's a normal illegal state um you know florida's medical arizona's medical. Um, For those of you in Montana, they just made it recreational, and they're working their way through the system. So I would say, and when I say recently, I mean as of three weeks ago.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about.
1: So um, I would say stay the course. And as I've always said in my podcast, don't be afraid to lose. Uh, Convince your prosecutors to go forward because the bottom line is you want clarification in your state. And I would say 75 to 80% chance. That the court's going to find that your marijuana odor dog is still probable cause in your state because you get to arrest someone that doesn't meet, let's say, check all four boxes for legal possession or medical possession. If they don't check the boxes for the medical to have it um, appropriately or recreational to have it appropriately, then they're arrestable. And your dog just puts you down the right path to investigation, so to speak. And, of course, you still have the argument. You know, you still have cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine uh, still going on um, that your dog may be alerting to. So why not investigate what crime is being committed? And then if you find that no crime has actually been committed or somebody's in lawful possession of recreational marijuana or medical marijuana, just write them their speeding ticket and away they go.
0: And I'd say the same thing because we've been dealing with this for quite a few years now that don't panic right now if you're working a dog and you're just starting to go down this road. What has happened here in Colorado is that the far majority of dogs, as they retired, when you would get a new dog, either for the unit or a handler would get their second, third, fourth dog, whatever it would be, um, the far majority of those dogs, that were the they're not getting marijuana as one of their odors. Um, so we have very few marijuana um, drug dogs in Colorado now. Interestingly enough, the few that we have are busy as all heck because, uh, you know, postal still needs them. Um, you know, so there's still quite a few ways that marijuana is illegal. But
1: sure, you could have postal, you could have um, um, pr- probation and parole dogs for that are marijuana because you, know, you still can't get high if you're on probation. So, um, so, so just there, there's uses for jail dogs, for contraband. So prison dogs. So there's still uses for them if you want to your dog still got three or four years left in them to transfer the dog to a different purpose
0: yeah I've gotten calls where uh, people thought maybe they need you know they had a, a maybe six seven eight nine dual purpose dogs and they all had marijuana they thought you know do we have to get rid of all of them today and the answer is no you know you can work your way through it through attrition um, a lot of the dogs you know uh, and that that also comes from working with your prosecutor because it doesn't really matter what the case law says if your prosecutor adapts a different philosophy and says you know that's just not an issue I'm going to deal with then you're under you know you're going to have to work with them and figure out you know how you're going to do things and stuff but
1: right and let me just touch on Colorado real quick for the people that are out there in all 50 states you know Colorado's just its only little unique world in the sense of uh, they made a funky ruling in Colorado that you have to have probable if your dog is imprinted on marijuana as one of its odors that you have to have probable cause to get your dog out of the car to sniff a vehicle So they basically, they're the only state that has made a ruling that you need probable cause on a marijuana imprinted dog to get the dog out. I know for most of you, you should be scratching your head and say, well, Ted, if I had probable cause after like doing some interdiction and being up at the car, uh, why would I go get my dog out? And the answer is that's correct. It's kind of a head scratcher ruling just because they be quite honest with you and a social kind of ruling to get rid of marijuana dogs um, as far as being used on the street for you know, either detective purposes or street-level narcotic stuff, but because they have um, legalized recreational marijuana, so they just wanted to phase them out, so they invented that high hurdle. Uh, none of the other 49 states have gone that far. You're either a reasonable suspicion state or a particularized suspicion state to get your dog out of the car, or you're just a traditional get your dog out for any particular reason. Uh, during a traffic stop, during, with the reasonableness being time. And um, most of the states are still in that reasonable time. You get your dog out for any particular reason. Based. So the sky's not falling. Um, keep fighting the good fight. Keep using your dog. And if you, if you happen to utilize your dog and you go through the court system, you lose your motion suppressed and you, you get it appealed. Um, I mean, look at this case that we talked this podcast about. There was a, uh, you know, a motion suppressed. It went to a judge. The judge actually denied it and circuit court trial level, and it went to the appellate court, and the appellate court said that judge made the right decision. So now we have this case about dogs sniffing people and traffic stops after a dog alert to a vehicle. If the prosecutor just looked at this and said, oh, God, it's a medical, it's a marijuana dog. Oh, we're a medical state. Or, boy, our judge is never going to go for a passive dog sniffing a person. Oh, the appellate court's going to go crazy about a person's right to privacy in their pockets or something. So let's just plead this case out to time served. Luckily, good job for these prosecutors in Okeechobee County and Florida, and good job by the Attorney General's Office of Florida to work on this appeal and get this victory. Now we've got good case law. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to create law. And even if it is, even if we were to lose, then we would know where we stand on passive dog sniffing people. Um, Or you'll know where you stand on a, a legal recreational state dog sniffing a car that's on marijuana. So you'll know where you stand because win or lose, it helps. This is the type of law that either helps uh, handlers one way or the other determine how they should move forward.
0: Exactly. And I think there's some, there's, I've seen some movement now with this new administration, you know, uh, that they wanted, you know, through uh, federally, they want to decriminalize marijuana and stuff. So there could be changes with the new administration. And even if that happens federally, the sky's still not falling, you know, just kind of work through. Uh, don't, don't Yeah, I would don't venture to guess the
1: federally, they're going to say the same thing. They're going to probably put some restrictions on it of how you can have it, where you can have it, and where you get it, and if you don't meet those check those boxes, you're going to be arrestable. And so the dog will help you determine whether that's someone to investigate or not related to your narcotics odor alert.
0: Yep. And so give it some time, and uh, through attrition, uh, it'll probably work itself out. That's how that's how it happened in Colorado. I don't know of any agency here in Colorado, even with uh, you know a pretty restrictive case that they just went and and, uh, got rid of all their dogs and turned around and started all over it. it just doesn't really happen that way. Right. Um,
1: And if your chief real quick, if your chief or your sheriff is really worried, which I don't think they should be, but if they're the nervous Nelly type, you can always get your new dog, put the four odors on them, you know, like cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, and whatever else you got out there and then um, and not put marijuana on them. And let's just say two years from now, like you said, the uh, it's the laundry has been washed and we've come out with the, you know predominantly how things are being handled. You can always two years from now imprint marijuana back on in you know to your dog, and then you know change your dog to a four odor or a five odor dog um, if you don't want to do it right away. So you can do the air on the side of caution and work your dog for two years, you know just on cocaine, um, marijuana, methamphetamine, and ecstasy. And then leave marijuana out for two years and then just, if marijuana doesn't become a problem, let's say in Nebraska, then you can add marijuana
0: in two years. Easy to add. It's, in my opinion, basically impossible to take out. See
1: what a lawyer can say in 27 words, you say in four. (laughs) Easy to add.
0: Easy to add, impossible to take out. So, And, you know, with some of the, a couple of the, uh, final note, a couple of agencies here, what they've done is they have some dual purpose dogs that don't have marijuana. Um, so then, a couple of them actually uh, like I have a a, a dog now uh, that I work. One of one of my two dogs, he does uh, guns and currency. So I can't write a search warrant on either one of them. They're both administrative searches, but we're getting lots and lots of work for bulk currency and guns. So we actually have a couple like an agency here. They did guns and marijuana. So the marijuana is more for postal. Uh, you're not supposed to mail a gun either, so it helps with postal. So you know you can get creative and figure out ways that you could still have a marijuana dog in your unit and maybe not all the dogs being on it. So again, just don't panic. If you're going down that road right now, things are going to work out just fine. Don't, don't panic. Uh, it'll, it'll work itself out through guidance from your DA and through the courts. And, uh, you know, as dogs, uh, go through uh, and retire, you'll, you can kind of figure out what you're going to do in the next batch. So, well, well, Ted, thanks. this is a very current case. It'll be out here on the podcast real soon. I like uh, you know, being able to get things uh, out to everybody r- right away, so it's a big advantage having having you on board with us. So I appreciate it. And uh, if uh, it's all right, I'll put uh, your contact course in the show notes and also go to uh, our website, which is hitscanine.net. You can check out uh, what we're doing. We, we're planning on being in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona next July. Hopefully the world is, is uh, back to normal and we'll be back up and running next July. We'll see how things go. Yeah, that. for all you
1: guys have been not training this year as far as travel and training, um, put in early when January, February rolls around. Tell your chief, your sheriff, oh, woe is me. We didn't get to train and travel, yeah. uh, you know, in 2020 because of the virus. So uh, put in for hits like, uh, you know, it is Phoenix, Scottsdale, July the 6th through the 9th, uh, coming up next year, 2021. So we hope to see you there and come out and see us back to good training, three days, uh, five different tracks, multiple classes, multiple speakers every day.
0: Sounds good, Ted. Well, thanks for uh, researching this case for us and getting the information out, and I will talk to you very soon. Thank you.
1: All right, everybody, take care and stay safe.
0: If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career,
1: come the HITS 2021. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come to HITS 2021 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2021 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffles and gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there,
0: and we've been there too.